0: Hi, this is Ellie Kushner from DanceWell Podcast, and today I'm talking with Jessica Lassiter, who's a doctor of physical therapy, and she has many other credentials. She's an orthopedic physical therapist. She's also a certified athletic trainer, and she's a certified manual physical therapist. And she was a dancer herself, of course. And she works with dancers of all different genres, um, at a wide range of institutions. She works at Juilliard, she works at American Ballet Theater, and we know each other because we share space at the Mark Morris Wellness Center here in Brooklyn. So you can get Jessica's full bio at JessicaLassiterPT.com. And today, Jessica and I are gonna be talking about hypermobility. So before we delve into that, could you, Jessica, just tell us about your work as a
1: PT what your experience
0: of it is and how you came to be doing it. Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, so I got into physical therapy from my own experience as a patient, um, while dancing. And, um, I went through the path of becoming an athletic trainer first because that was who was taking care of us when I was in my collegiate dance program and then continued on to be a physical therapist. And I'm I'm grateful that I get to apply all that experience, um, while treating patients. And, um, yeah, I think that and I also we did the same program in Laban and did the Masters of Dance Science yep. and got to explore. London, some of that England. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: so Jessica, from a clinical perspective, from, from your depth of
1: knowledge, what is hypermobility? <laughs> so hypermobility is definitely a, a big term. It encapsulates a lot of different ideas. I think the most important thing is to differentiate, you know, for a patient or a dancer whether or not they have a clinical general hypermobility, which is a medical diagnosis, or a more specific joint hypermobility. Um, the clinical diagnosis of hypermobility is something that is a whole spectrum. And um, you'll know that like certain people have much tighter bodies, and it's more to do with their tissue, and it's actually related to the collagen content of their tissues, which um, on a microscopic level, cellular level, means that there's more or less elasticity. Collagen provides elasticity to tissues. So people who are at the higher end of the spectrum, so who are very hypermobile and medically, clinically hypermobile will have so much collagen in their tissues that they have very, very loose skin. There's a host of other medical correlates. Um, there's something called Marfan syndrome, which is um, generally people who you might see that in basketball population Mm -hmm. it tends to be people who are very tall and have very long arm span and they are very flexible tissue wise and they are prone to heart conditions for instance, but that is because even their heart tissue is not strong enough. It's too flexible. Um, and it also has to do with the elasticity of their vascular system in terms Mm -hmm. of the pumping through that mechanism. So that's kind of the higher end of the spectrum. Most people that um, I might be seeing and that might be dancing are not that far along, but people who might be contortionists do Mm -hmm. fall into that end of the spectrum a little bit more. So when we screen for it, we screen for those people that might be more inclined to have a medical issue that correlates with it because we want to make sure we're staying ahead of that. Um, But then we're also really looking at whether or not they have um, hypermobility that is going to cause them to be more prone to injury. And basically what happens when you have a looser joint is that you've got, um, it's well set up for injury because the looser ligament, um, the more give in that joint, and the muscles that normally would stabilize that joint are actually inherently cut off because they normally get turned on due to the stretch that happens in a ligament. So for instance, the way a normal spine gets its stability is by getting a reflex that occurs from sensing a stretch in a ligament when the joint goes to its end range, and then the multifidus, for example, will then reflexively get turned on to limit it from going too far. And if you have loose ligaments, you're not gonna get that until the joint is really far over, And then the muscles can't do their job of maintaining it in its neutral place. So just to um, go back with some Mm -hmm. layman terms.
0: So uh, ligaments are the tissues that connect bone to bone. Yes. And there are these sensory organs inside those ligaments that can detect, as you're saying, when there's too much stretch. Yes. So if your knee bends too far backwards into hyperextension or if it's starting to, then these ligaments send up, these organs send a message to the brain mm-hmm. saying, danger, danger, and the brain sends a message back to the muscles saying, engage, engage. Yes. <laughs> and that prevents the joint from going into a hazardous range of motion. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Correct. And, and so it doesn't have to
1: go up to the brain every time. Sometimes right. it's a reflexive spinal cord that just stays in the spinal cord. Right. Yeah.
0: So, um... So people who are hypermobile, it's a those those ligaments don't send that message until they're much further in their range of motion. Exactly. And so a lot of dancers, will yeah, will have this experience of like they can't feel themselves in space, right? Where they can't. Mm-hmm. Their teacher always says, "Your arm is too far behind you. It's too far behind you." All the time, they keep saying that, and the dancer can't really feel that because they're not getting the same feedback from their tissue. Exactly. Okay, great. Yes. So, and then you were saying, I interrupted you, so you were saying you're still in the range, you're still working your way on the spectrum, you talked about the people who are really extreme mm-hmm. in the middle, and then you said that some people might just have like a joint hypermobility or...
1: Yes, exactly. So when we're screening, there's this, um, the Bighton score that we can talk about a little bit more, but there's certain movements and certain mm-hmm. joints that you assess to see if they're hypermobile or they go beyond their normal range. And some people might have hypermobility in only their elbows for existence, where they can straighten their elbows beyond what would be a flat 180 degrees and go into a, an opposite angle uh-huh. of the elbows. Same thing with knees. Um, And then there's other joints in the hands and in the spine. But some people might just happen to have hypermobile elbows. But Mm -hmm. then their knees and ankles and spine and hips are fine. Um, For dancers, because of the aesthetic and the selective specialization, they tend to have hypermobile knees, which is that hyperextended knee. And that is better for an aesthetic line. according to teachers and choreographers. <laughs> and um, But that might be all that's hypermobile on them. So that's where that's... It's not a medical diagnosis as such because you don't score high enough on the Bighton scale to be considered hypermobile. However, your knees and hips and ankles, because they're all connected kinetically, might be more prone to certain injury because of that hypermobility at those knees. You could also then have one knee that's more hypermobile than right. the other, um, either due to a previous injury. So if you've sprained a ligament in mm-hmm. the past, um, that can set you up to be more selectively hypermobile in that joint.
0: Or if you're like a competition dancer and you always do a certain movement only to one side. Correct. You can. So this gets us into another question of like, is hypermobility an inborn quality or is it something
1: that dancers um, create in themselves? It depends and it can be both. I think there's always the nature versus nurture idea of you're going to be born with certain genetic setup of your anatomy and the ligaments might just be looser in that joint for you or your whole body. But then through practice and through overstretching, you can selectively facilitate, loosening of those ligaments and capsules of the joints that creates a a specific hypermobility. And I think a lot of joints and dancers are pushed to that extreme through um, in ideal stretching practices, especially when young and going through growth spurts, because part of joint mobility is actually the shape of the joint. And so, for example, the hip joint is a ball and socket joint. And as we grow and mature and our skeleton gets um, more adult-like, it goes from being a very flat joint to a ball and socket joint. So you have more stability when the socket is deeper Mm -hmm. and contains the ball. And the ball is of a certain round shape. The people who have hip dysplasia or a flattening of that um, socket have way more range in that socket because there's no closure of the socket over the ball. And they might also then have a flatter ball shape of the hip. So those are things that um, that you're not going to change necessarily. But you can, through practices that are overstretching the ligaments, create much more mobility Great. through that joint. Um, we have a segment on stretching.
0: Ah, okay. We've sort of talked about some of these safe um, practices in stretching. So if you if you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back and listen to that now after this one. Um, and so this this is a good point for us to talk about um, the difference between uh, hypermobility versus flexibility mm-hmm. versus range of motion. So Jessica was just talking about people who have dysplasia in their hips, a, f- a flattening of the hip socket, and how. Um, that can give you a huge range of motion. So we're talking about dancers who can lie on their backs, put the soles of their feet together, and flop their knees all the way down to the floor in a wide-open butterfly, for mm-hmm. example, right? And that per- so that person has sort of like a structural flexibility. How is that different than, than um,
1: turnout, active turnout when they're dancing? So one of the differences is whether or not the muscles are working in those ranges, and that's actually a very important difference because you might be able to take your legs easily into those ranges, but when you put weight through that joint and you are using that limb, the muscles are actually going to be inherently a little bit weaker that are controlling that joint for various reasons, and they... um will not be able to necessarily activate on those extremely stretched places in those end ranges. So you might have 180 degrees turnout when you're lying on your back and your knees are flopping out, but as soon as you try and stand in that place and plie, if your knees do not easily and automatically fold over your toes, then your turnout muscles are not actually strong enough to maintain that position, that extreme position. So if they instead fall forward ahead of your big toes that's an indicator that,
0: yes, you have the, the, the range of motion, but your
1: turnout muscles aren't working. Correct. You have the, the mobility but not the strength to right. control it, and that's a very good setup for a lot of potential injury, overuse injuries especially. What kind of injuries do we tend to see in the
0: hypermobile dancer?
1: We see a lot of, um, actually, tendon Overuse injuries, because part of what happens is the mechanics are not great. So your joints are working at the end ranges and not in their middle ranges. And that then causes a Im- muscular imbalance in terms of the l- workload. Uh-huh. And so the muscles will then overwork. For example, if you've got very flexible ankles and hips and you roll your ankles in by forcing your turnout or just by not maintaining the right alignment when you're doing it through the knee, and the posterior tib, so the muscle on the inside of the arch that goes up the inside of the ankle, will then be working all the time to hold your entire body weight up against gravity, and it's not meant to do that. And then people can develop a tendonitis from trying to do that all the time right so the
0: the joint is not supposed to necessarily fall in like that i mean it's supposed yeah. to, it has a range of motion it's supposed to be able to move but it's not supposed to be in that position so then the muscles are are i'm going to anthropomorphize the muscles. (laughs) Great. Go for it. So then the muscles are going like, Oh God, God, things are falling out of place. This is not safe. We have to engage, engage, engage. And so they're gripping and working and, and that's a exhausting Mm -hmm. because it takes energy to do that and, um, be inefficient because it's not what those muscles are meant to be doing. The ligament is supposed to be doing it. Yeah. So then we get these overuse, like you said, injuries of of those areas. Yes.
1: Yeah. And another issue that a lot of hypermobile people come up with would be, for example, in the neck, because the neck joints are so loose. These are the people that are more likely to just wake up one morning with their neck stuck. Because... it used to
0: happen to me. Me too.
1: (laughs) And it hurts a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And it's you know it could just be your pillow wasn't quite in the right position um this also happens when people are blow drying their hair and flipping yeah. their head over and yeah. coming back up and, and brush my teeth shit, and then come coming up, from up on the sink yeah exactly and it just there's so much range in the neck in those joints and the vertebrae that you actually end up catching the the joint capsule uh-huh. in the joint on the way back up or you end up sleeping in such a stretched position say you're flying and you have a not great neck pillow and you're bent all night long and you go to wake up and it's like oh I can't go there it's because the joint has been in a stretched position on one end of its range for so long and there's so much we call it creep it's just it's a physics slow term for the grow. slow deformation yeah. of a tissue uh-huh. Um, that when you go to return the joint to its original position, you've got this extra tissue now that has been stretched out, and oh, it gets yeah. pinched on the oh, way back up. Oh, interesting! So that's another thing that people might right. present with is, is like a, a rubber dry neck kind of. Wow, yeah, like a
0: rubber band that's been like overstretched, overstretched. and then it's actually longer and it doesn't and it gets turned back in the joint. Wow, yeah. and like what would happen to a person who's not hypermobile when they're sleeping on the plane? They either just wouldn't get themselves into that contorted position to begin with. Correct. Or they would get more signals sooner of like, this is not comfortable, move. Yes,
1: either of those. Yeah. Yeah, mechanically it wouldn't happen or their body would wake them up because right. it would sense, oh, there's a lot of stretch in this ligament right here that's doing this work. Okay, wake up and change. Right. So, And the other thing that a lot of mm-hmm. these people will present with are... Um, dislocations or subluxations. And uh-huh. the difference there is a the dislocation is a joint that pops completely out of its socket. Um, and for example, that might be a kneecap. And I'm yeah. sorry if this grosses people out to think about it, but a kneecap <laughs> that pops out to the side of the knee yeah. um, or a shoulder that pops out of its socket, uh-huh. usually forward. But then a subluxation is way more common where it might happen very, like it goes partially out and then it pops right back in on its own. Uh-huh. And that's common with both of those joints as well. Where you might do a, a port de bra motion and your arm goes really far behind you and you feel like a little shifting in the shoulder and then it gets back into its own place. And then, like, for the rest of the day, you're like, eh, it's a little irritating. It's it's weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. And both are, ones, the, the more dramatic one is the dislocation, and especially in the shoulder, that's actually much more of a potential medical thing because there's a lot of nerves and arteries that, um, that go right underneath the shoulder, so you always want to be very careful in that situation and always make sure you are seen by a medical professional to get that back into place. And if anything has ever popped out of joint, just in general... Make sure it's a medical professional that's relocating it okay. because you can actually do a lot of damage to the bones in trying to reposition something that's popped out of place once the muscles start to spasm and mm-hmm. you can cause more damage by doing it incorrectly.
0: Yeah, I was surprised. I had a student who dislocated her shoulder and mm-hmm. I was surprised that the protocol was for her to not to wear a sling for a really long time and to keep her shoulder... Um, It was a really slow return. Really slow return. I was surprised.
1: Yes. And what they would have done in that case probably was that they would have seen her and relocated it under anesthesia. Uh Uh-huh. So the muscles are no longer spasming. And then they know everything's back where it needs to be. And then you don't want to move it for a long time because you do want that joint to stiffen up. Right. And you want your muscles to remember to be in those ranges. Right. And, and the return from that kind of stuff, and all this stuff takes time, and that's another thing with hypermobility to know as a dancer and as a patient is that tissues actually heal slower uh-huh. if you have medical hypermobility. Okay. Um, and you're actually more prone to have chronic pain, which doesn't mean you have to. Right. It just means that your system is set up to be a little bit more sensitive. Interesting. So...
0: Um, So these are all sort of the the physical things, the um, slow to heal and the various types of injuries. And I talked at the beginning, I I think there's also a lot of other sort of like Mm psycho-emotional components to hypermobility. And um, and I think it's hard because in dance we really are aesthetically drawn to these hypermobile bodies. Um, But I don't think there's a lot of understanding in the dance world about them, mm-hmm. and I think it can be really hard, for example, a student who is hypermobile and does have trouble with joint positioning, so mm-hmm. that means like not knowing if their arm is in front of them or beside them or behind them, and um, that can as as both a dancer and a teacher I, I understand that that can be really frustrating for a teacher because it 's like, I tell you this every week, every time I see you i 'm telling you your arm is in the wrong place, yeah, and I think it's important for us to understand that this is not um it's really a medical situation. It's, it's, it, it's the, the student is fully capable of mm-hmm. learning that, but they're going to learn it slowly. They need a lot more
1: feedback. Yes. What kind of feedback is helpful for these students? Verbal feedback is helpful. Tactile feedback is more helpful. Uh-huh. So hands-on, giving the body more sensitivity in terms of what's happening. Mm-hmm. I like to use therabands. Yep. And, and for like port-a-bras, for instance, mm-hmm. wrapping a the theraband around the arm and holding the end of it in your hand so you can feel where the shoulder girdle, which is a hard joint to feel on your body anyways right. and very prone to having a lot of movement, extra movement for port-a-bras stuff. Um, compressive feedback is really yep. helpful for yeah. these people. So you would wrap it you would like you would
0: hold the TheraBand at their back and then you'd wrap it around their arm mm-hmm. and they'd hold it in their hand and they could move through a port de bras and just sort of feel, that would help them from their skin
1: sort of feel And more the pressure information, putting the joint back into the socket a little uh-huh. bit more. And they uh-huh. can even wrap it around, they can wear it kind of like a low a little shawl <laughs> and then wrap it around their arms uh-huh. and do it themselves and stuff like that. So. Great. Um, but some kind of people like that i mean I, I I think people who are loose jointed and loose tissue like wearing tighter tights and tighter clothes like compression tights might feel good, and especially around your pelvis if you 've got a loose pelvis, like having extra compression just gives you more s- sensitivity awareness of right. where your joints are in space
0: right so those are ideas those to are think things about. that a lot of ballet dancers like those sort of wraps around their yep. low back, yeah yeah and um you know, I teach Pilates, so I find um, equipment Pilates really helpful because so often in dance, it's just our bodies in space. space. Yeah, we don't have a ball to interact with to see, like, oh, if I put this much pressure, the ball goes this far. We don't get those learning experiences. I mean, we do in partnering or floor work. Yes, but um, so working with equipment where the student can like have something in their hand to apply pressure and then see how that move something through space and how different amounts of pressure, they get feedback like, ooh, the cart moved really quickly. Okay, change the type of pressure. Oh, now the cart's moving slowly, and that
1: helps them yeah. understand how to work their muscles differently. Exactly, and in, in physical therapy terms, we call those movements either open kinetic chain where you're moving freely in space and there's no pressure at the end of your limb versus closed kinetic mm-hmm. chain where there is contact with something at the end of your limb, and the forces that are generated in that joint change significantly. So closed kinetic chain is actually safer for your joints as long as they're not painful with compression, which would be a different clinical situation. But so doing things that are closed kinetic chain, weight-bearing exercises, upper body things that are... Weight bearing knees. into your hands and, and, and knees, like yeah. all that stuff, is going to be more therapeutically beneficial for these people, both in terms of neuromotor retraining, so getting mm-hmm. their motor systems more connected, as well as limiting stress on their joints. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: mirrors, you know, we have really yeah. mixed opinions about mirrors and dance. They are a tool and a hazard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think for the hypermobile dancer, they can sometimes be a really good tool because they just need as much feedback as they can from different sources. So I usually would ask a hypermobile student to, to stand in a place where they can see themselves in the mirror. So yeah. they can say, OK, I think I'm in the right place. Look in the mirror. Whoa, not in the right place at all. OK, make this change. Learn this spot. OK, I think I'm in the right place. Look in the mirror. Yes. OK, I am.
1: Great. File yeah. that away. <laughs> yeah, and exactly how you described it, where you're checking in as opposed to watching the entire out. time. Right. It's like using your internal reference point and then getting a comparison to what's right. actually happening.
0: Right, because, yeah. man, looking in the mirror to get all your information actually is neurologically oh, yeah. so complicated. <laughs> exactly. Don't do that. It's too complicated. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, and so these are all things to help um, dancers with their safety. What other – could you give, like, one or two – go-to, one or two more go-to exercises that you think are simple and you can explain verbally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, one of the main things that um, I think is really stabilizing for a lot of dancers is just doing a a balance Mm -hmm. of some kind that can be a very basic balance of, you know, flat foot on the floor, making sure you're stacking your body up correctly. And then if that's easy and you feel stable there, obviously have something to hold on to if you need to, but close your eyes. Cause, so we're trying to challenge your proprioceptive system, which you've described as the that stretch reflex in the <laughs> ligaments that might be inherently weaker with mm-hmm. the looser ligaments. And the other two um, balance systems that we have are our vision and our inner ear. So to make the proprioceptive system stronger, we take out vision or inner ear. So you can either close your eyes Or rotate your head side to side or up to down slowly, enough through the full ranges, or do both if you're really... And then once you're comfortable on a flat surface, you can then take it to a less stable surface like a folded up yoga mat. But this one's good because you're challenging yourself to figure out where your center is, and that's the hardest thing for loose joints is where am I stacking up where everything is in line with itself. And then you're using the muscles that are going to help keep you there. So the the foot and ankle muscles that are keeping your foot in neutral, and your hip muscles that are keeping you from dropping into your hip. Your core should be keeping your ribs connected to your torso and so on. So that would be one thing that I would always suggest, just as like a check in as well, Mm -hmm. because we all have bad balance days, right? And um, there could be a bunch of different reasons. You could be stuffed up, and you don't have the inner ear, you know, Mm -hmm. working for you. But by checking in with that and figuring it out, you are neurologically setting yourself up for a better turning balance day, Um, and you're turning a lot of those systems on. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, as I mentioned there, is the core, and that's something that you can speak more to. It's a Pilates instructor, but Your core muscles of the pelvis, um, which would be the pelvic floor, the deep transverse abdominis, the multifidus in the back, and then the diaphragm, like having those all turned on and coordinated in some way, just bringing them online Mm -hmm. before doing movements. Um, So whatever someone's go-to would be for that. I like hands and knees because it gives you the the proprioception as well. of just pulling your belly button up in against gravity and maybe taking it into an active cat camel mm-hmm. where you might be arching and curving your back, but by using your abdominals and then keeping them on as you are lengthening them. Um but you could speak to some other ones that might yeah, be your go-to. I mean
0: similar like hands and knees. I often use the expression of like you know, establish your alignment. You mm-hmm. know, so if you're on your hands and knees, you don't have to worry about your Hyperextended knees, your elbows are an issue, but you can prop them up on a block if you need to. Or Or find their middle spot and hold it. Organize your elbows and then, you know, use a mirror to figure out where your spine is. And then it's basically like, okay, can I maintain this and do X? Yeah. And X can be anything. You know, it's like, can I maintain this and put one hand on my rib cage? Yes. Put it back down. Can I maintain this and just do one leg behind me, keeping the toe on the ground? So it's basically, it's not about the movement. Mm-hmm. It's about the, can I maintain this neutral alignment? Yeah. And so, and then you can do the same thing in standing also. It's like, like you said, get yourself, use a mirror, use a teacher, find the right alignment. And then, okay, can you maintain that and do a parallel passe? Yeah. So it's not, and so much of dance class is about the parallel passe. It's not about the parallel passe. It's about the extension that comes from there. But that's So, you know, it's about the extension, the extension, the extension. But you want to go back to the foundation and say, okay, but what's my standing leg doing? What's my spine doing? How are my hips? How's my neck? Yeah. And then, okay, that in my practice session, I'm going to make that 85% of my mental load. And then I'm just going to put 15% on the extension. Yeah. Versus dance class where it might go the other way around sometimes by accident. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, This has been great. Is there anything else that we haven't covered? You know, I know somebody whose child was diagnosed with hypermobility by their dentist, oh no, their orthodontist. Because yeah, because because of the so tissues marf- of the mouth,
1: of even. tissues of yeah. the mouth. Yeah, and I think Marfan syndrome does have an elevated palate situation yeah. as well, which I guess as a kid would be the earliest way to see that because some of the other symptoms don't show up until you're going through growth spurts. Uh-huh. Another way to see it for really loose people is if you have um, striations on your skin. Oh yeah, where there's like lines that uh-huh. have, that are not as colored as the rest of the skin. Um, and um whether i mean a one test is to really just pull the skin off of the back of your hand and see how far off you can take it like i have a really good friend who's just really gummy uh-huh. she's really flexible and you can uh-huh. you can like mold her and then i know i have patients who are very dense yeah. and very tight Hypo- tissue, hypomobile. Hypomobile, yeah. Right. And it could just be that their tissues are tight, their joints aren't. Right. But every there's just a huge spectrum, yeah. And people fall in different places onto that spectrum. And as long as you know what the best way to treat your particular place on that spectrum is, then you should be good That's to a go. Great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you? Did I interrupt you with my story about orthodontia? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> sort of. I thought that was a little fun fact about hypermobility. Yeah. yeah, But basically, I mean, if you get a medical diagnosis of hypermobility syndrome from a doctor, don't necessarily freak out. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all those horrible medical things. Mm-hmm. It just means that, oh, I need to stabilize my body more so mm-hmm. and more consistently and efficiently than... Most other people do, and it might be something that you just do prophylactically throughout your dance career and beyond, Mm -hmm. so that your joints are kept in a more happy neutral place. Mm -hmm. Because the the what one thing I would say is that people are transitioning out of a dance career and being less physically active is that that is something I would still really strongly recommend that they maintain Uh because it keeps your joints healthier. I feel like you're talking to me. No, no, no. I'm talking to myself too. But yes, my state of being. (laughs) I've just seen this across the board. The transitional time is that, like, as you're losing some of that strength and stability, those are the joints that will pop up as being problematic. Yeah. And, you know, arthritically might Mm -hmm. have changes down the line. So just if you're ahead of the game and staying with whatever program you have that keeps you connected into those stabilizers, it's no guarantee, but you should be good to go. Right. It's like everybody's coming
0: into these well in our case it's dance. Everybody's coming into the room with, you know, things that they struggle with yeah. and things they excel in. And so, while one student is going to have to spend a lot more of their pre and post class time stretching, yeah, another one's going to have to spend a lot of time stabilizing. stabilizing. And so it's it's just about understanding your
1: personal prescription. For health and well-being. Exactly. <clears throat> and unfortunately, it's the people who are really flexible who, who love to stretch. feel good stretching <laughs> and the people who are tight don't. But right. it, it, sometimes it is that you have to do that, which is not the most comfortable for your system in that regard to get back to a, a good norm. Great. So,
0: Thank you so much for talking about thank this. You. really helpful. So again, um, this is Jessica Lassiter, and you can find out more about her at Jessica, J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Lassiter, L A S S I T E R pt.com. On behalf of Marissa and myself, Ellie Kushner, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of DanceWell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and search DanceWell Podcast to subscribe. We'll be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail dot com. Bye.